Let's get the show in a row. All right, cool. So, <clears throat> hello. Welcome to, back to Oral Alchemist. We got the one and only Noah Brooks. Could you uh, introduce yourself and give us a little bit of your background, please? Yeah, thanks for having me. My name's Noah Brooks. I'm currently a student at NIU, jazz performance major. For the past four years, I've been running my own group, the Noah Brooks Coalition, and for the better part, the last year and a half, been writing all our music for the group. Awesome. Um, so besides that project, are you working on any other projects right now? Not really, just focusing on the group, trying to finish up my degree here at school, and just trying to get some gigs for the group, playing around the Midwest, going on tour. Probably already went on by the time this comes out, but... <laughs> So we got little little stuff going on with the group here and there. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So when did you start that group? So the group started freshman year college. I guess technically I played one gig under the name, the Noah Brooks Coalition in high school, but started freshman year of college because I wanted to start getting some shows to play and I wasn't going to wait around for people to call me. So you're like, you know what? I'm just going to make my own group. I'll book my own shows. And that just slowly started turning into a project I started caring more and more about. And here we are, two projects out under our name, going on tour this winter, starting the writing process of our second full-length album. And it's just kind of snowballed into something on its own. Congratulations. That's something to be proud about. Um, So when did you start writing for that project? Did it start from the beginning or were you just uh, looking for gigs at first? So first it was just looking for gigs. I really had no experience writing any sort of music before. So it was just trying to find trying to find gigs my groups could pay, play. And I'm just like, all right, I like this song. Let's play this song. Oh, I like this song too. Let's play this song. Mm-hmm. And slowly I realized, man, if I want to start making a name for myself, we're going to have to have like our own music. We just can't keep doing other people's music. Yeah. So I just kind of threw myself headfirst into writing and it took a long time before I kind of figured out the process that works best for me when writing music for this group. Awesome. Hold on a second. Can you pull the microphone a little bit closer? Just grab the stand. Yeah. And, and uh, just pull it closer. Have yes. it pointed to cold in your mouth. Like, yeah, like, perfect. Yeah, great, great. Um, so <laughs> would you say you're still, like, more so in that inter- beginning intermediate stage as a writer in that journey? I would say so, yeah. I still struggle a lot with stuff, and I guess every writer at any stage struggles with this, but writing stuff I don't like. <laughs> but, but the stuff that I write, less and less of it slowly is becoming stuff that I don't like, and more and more of what I write I'm beginning to like from the get-go. So there's definitely an increase in stuff that I like that I write and a decrease in stuff that I don't like, but it's still... I still struggle with writing a lot of stuff that I don't like and I just completely scrap. I got you. So at this stage, do you, did you kind of have, are starting to form a methodology? I am. And can you tell us more about yeah, that? Yeah. So I was actually just, like I was telling you earlier, I was just on a radio interview talking about the writing process. And so really it goes back this past year. I've kind of been struggling with the idea, what type of sound do I want my group to be? Mm -hmm. And in order to figure out how I'm going to write for this group, I had to figure out, all right, what's our sound going to be so I can write for that sound. And so we slowly come into this sound where it's almost like pop jazz. It's not exactly jazz. It's not pop, 
but it's kind of a mix of two. And so what I've started doing now too is taking influences from maybe the pop genre or hip hop genre that I like listening to a lot. And I'll take the idea of sampling and bring it to jazz where maybe I'll find a chord progression that I like from a song. Maybe I'll find a single melodic device that I like and I'll bring that over and I'll expand that into an entire song. And so with this writing process, I'm really trying to morph the boundaries between what's jazz and what's not jazz by expanding on ideas from non-jazz music and turning it into something that maybe jazz musicians would recognize as jazz music. I got you. So going a bit more off of that, I want to know first, you really beg the question, where, where, what, do, what place does jazz have for you as a musician and a writer? As, as a musician and a writer, for me, that's, that's my roots. That's my base. And everything that I write, everything that I play is based off of that tradition. Maybe sometimes it sounds a little more, little more mainstream, but everything I'm doing, har mostly harmonically, um, rhythmically, is all coming from that idea of jazz and through my education here in the past four years. Cool. You just, you just love it. It's just... I, I love it, and I think jazz opens so many, so many doors musically that you can explore that you know maybe necessarily you don't always get with pop music. Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't get me wrong. I love pop music. There's some really great catchy melodies. There's some great tunes that I love. I have on repeat all the time. So why not take those catchy, simple ideas, mix them with some really interesting harmonic ideas, and I think you get something that appeals to multiple genre listeners. You know, something that will catch an appeal to a jazz musician's ear harmonically. Something that catches just a normal person who listens to popular music. Maybe just that simple melody catches their ear. Maybe the lyrics we sing catches their ear. And I think it's something that really opens its door to all music listeners and not just one specific set of people. I got you. So if I'm understanding you correctly, the direction you seem to be heading in is really you're just trying to make music for people to enjoy and not just, well, I guess. Yeah, I'd say that, yeah. I guess, yeah, I mean, I guess that's what most musicians are trying to do. But yeah, but I mean, you know, you get your musicians who, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I absolutely love playing, you know, bebop, hard bop, post bop, all of that. But if that's the only thing you're playing, you know, you're, you're, there's nothing wrong with just playing that. But to me, that's, that's limiting your audience size so much. Same if you're doing just, if you're just doing pop music, I know, unfortunately, so many people in academic music circles look down upon that stuff. And when there's, there's a lot, you can draw from that as well, too. So I'm like, why not just combine the two? And I think it's, it's a great middle ground. I think it makes some great music that's fun to listen to. More importantly for us, it is really fun to play. And I think the audiences really connect with it when we play it for them. Awesome. So what you're doing, now I've seen other people do similar things, but the rationale seems to be different. 
A lot of other people will kind of incorporate pop music as a business decision, not because they actually like the music. What it seems you're doing, you're trying to connect to people who will like what you're doing. Yeah, and I, I will, I'm unashamed when I say I, I love pop music, man. Hey, if it, if it is good, know, it is good. Yeah, so many, so many people, like I said, in music academia, like look down on people who enjoy that music or people who make that music because oh, it's not. It doesn't make your brain think. It's not academic. It's four core. What you know, whatever they may say about it. But I'm like, they have to be doing something right because people love it. I love it. I think it's catchy. It's great music. Why not take what they're doing, mix it with what we're doing, and I think you get something that a lot of people like. Hey, that's respectable, man. Let's moving on. So let's just take. Let's just build off this conversation a little bit. So let's take. I want to know who is your most significant influence as far as jazz goes, and then on the other side with pop. Okay, yeah. For me, my biggest influence, at least when it comes to my writing on the jazz side, is Sammy Miller and the Congregation. Mm-hmm. A group based out of New York. Good friends actually had their trombone player, Sam Crittenden, on the last track of our record. And they've been a big influence to me because of how they approach their music and their shows. You know, their music is very much, it's still jazz, but it's very much audience oriented. It's, it's catchy music, but at the same time, they can just throw down and they can swing the brakes off a venue. Mm-hmm. And they really do a good job when they perform their music is both them as musicians and the music they're playing is putting on a show. It's you're not just there to sit down and listen to some music. You're watching an actual show. And that's influenced me so much as a performer and as a musician that, Hey, seeing that jazz music doesn't just have to be a sit down and watch and listen. It can be a whole show that really engages the audience the whole night rather than just sit down listen to a song clap let's watch the next one awesome so what about the pop side pop side by far and i get a lot of flack from some of my friends for this but my biggest influence i guess on the popular side would be kanye west he's controversial but i understand why i understand why you say that yeah if if we go through the carfax if we if we ignore if we ignore the person and we're taking a strict look at the music and the musician, for me the stuff he's done for hip hop is by far one of the most influential artists of our generation. But more so, what interests me about his music, which is I kind of talked about this earlier that I started doing with my music, is the way he takes samples. Mm-hmm. And he puts them into his music to create something new. And so many people don't even know. They think, oh, this is just a, you know, this is just a beat made. No, this is like three or four different samples that you put through the mixer and you got this beat that sounds like a beat. But no, he's drawing, he's drawing from this song. He's drawn from that song. And the way he uses his samples to create music really, really interest me and that's where i got the idea you know what if i can take this idea from hip-hop of sampling and bring that over to jazz whether it be sampling melodically 
or sometimes sampling rhythmically. Can you elaborate more on that? Yeah. So we, I guess you could see this in most of our songs, actually. We do this. Well, one song on the record called Nothing Left. I took the rhythmic idea of a song Mm -hmm. that I heard. So it's the same, the melody is the same rhythm, but completely different melodic contour. But we kept the same rhythmic idea throughout the head as that piece that I quote unquote sampled. You know, maybe other times it's straight up quoting a chord progression for our intro track. Mm-hmm. Again, coming from Kanye, my favorite record of his is My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. And so we took the chord progression off of his opening track, Dark Fantasy, on the intro for that track. And so we used that chord progression for our intro and wrote a brand new melody over that for our intro track. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the ideas I'll take with sampling either chordal progressions sometimes just rhythmic ideas of a melody or sometimes even just tiny bits of a melody. There's one song that's coming up on our next record that we just recorded. Already? We recorded at the radio station for a show. We haven't recorded it in the studio per se yet, but there's just a, it's off of one of my favorite groups. It's a little background trumpet line. Mm -hmm. He plays it like one time as a background. I'm like, oh, I really like that line. So I took that one little measure, expanded it into a whole melody, and made a whole song just off of that one bar idea. Awesome. And so that's sometimes how I'll sample just a small melodic idea from a song, even if it's not the main melody. What you just explained to me is very interesting. I think that's pretty advanced. A lot of the more seasoned composers that I know, they talk about how I'm trying to remember the exact phrase, but more like an economy of ideas. Um, Professor Bradfield here talks about that too. And what you just said was pretty dang awesome because basically you're you just taking other ideas and now you're not... It sounds like you, you make it sound easy the way you're doing it. I know it's a, a skill to this, but this is a certain thing that, like, that you kind of bypass like a certain problem that a lot of younger writers have where they just come like keep spitting out ideas. Mm-hmm. But now you're, you're trying to take something, build ideas off, like off the established language. Yeah. That's, that's pretty awesome. I'm glad to see that. Thank you. You kind of, I was listening to your record. It kind of, that makes some, I'm making some new connections about it right now. Oh man. Yeah, that was cool. Pat yourself on the back. Thank you. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back, my friend. Let's see here. Okay, so can you talk about more about your philosophy that you're developing right now? Because it sounds like you're kind of develop. You have some of your identity established, but as you know, like us young guys, like there's a lot that can change, like the next few years. Yeah, and I mean, I've definitely experienced that in the past four years. Like just now, I think this group is finally starting to come into our true sound as a group, like even this past record, I don't think is a real encapsulation of what our sound is like. Maybe we had a couple songs on there that I really feel like shows what we sound like, but I still think we're still finding our way into what we want to be. But I think we're finally starting to reach that point with the songs we have and what we're performing. 
And so for this next record, I really want to try to expand on that idea of like, all right, now I know what I want this group to sound like. And ultimately, I think that idea of what we're going to sound like is always going to be constantly changing because with writing, you know, you're always hearing, oh, something new, like, hey, I want to go, I want to go in this direction. I really like it. And you start building off that idea, some new songs in that direction. And then maybe you get pulled in a totally different direction with a new sound that you're trying to chase. Mm -hmm. And as a writer, I think you need to be open to that. Because I think if you just set your mind on, okay, I'm only going to write this and nothing else, I think you're easily going to burn out so fast. You're going to have a hard time coming up with new material. I really think, you know, yeah, it, it's good to have an idea of what you want your sound, but also being open to letting new ideas take you to new directions with your writing and your sound as well. Hmm. I see. Does our, in this consideration for uh, the sound you have for your group, how does that affect uh, your selection of musicians? That actually affects it a lot because I have talked to some people like, hey, you know, our normal saxophone player can't make this gig. Do you, do you want to sit in? And they've straight up told me like, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't be comfortable because, you know, all I know is, I'm really only good at bebop. I'm only good at jazz language. Like I'm not going to feel comfortable playing this music, mm. which is interesting because, you know, there's a running joke in the group that I write like notoriously easy chord progressions, hey, but know. you find out, Hey, you know, just because the chords look easy Again, this is something people look down on, like, hey, you know, those are just easy chords. Like, that's nothing compared to bebop. Just because they're easy doesn't mean it's easy. It's a whole different style I that we're playing. I think simple might be a better way to describe it, because it sounds like, I mean, there's a lot of simple things in music that are definitely di difficult to play. Yeah. You know, some of the simplest concepts are, like, just, like, very tough to execute. Yeah. So when you're talking about the musicians you select... Are they in, are they intimidated by the, the lack of complexity? No, or at least the the ones I have now aren't because they're really comfortable with what we play, and they can their playing can fit to that style mm. really well. I have played with people where, you know, sometimes it sounds too much like you know bebop. The language doesn't quite fit the style that we're going for. Right, but the group we have now the they can easily go you know uh, and that's what makes the people i play with so great they can easily go back hey we want to play some burning swinging stuff they can throw down some charlie parker they can throw down you know some clifford brown whatever but we want to go over and do this stuff with the group man they can create some really colorful masterful melodic solos that are a lot more, I wouldn't say as much scale-based or linear as maybe you may see in jazz, but a lot more, have a lot more melodic contours and, you know, aspects like that to the solos. Mm -hmm. So it definitely, the style definitely does dictate a certain type of musician, and it's not easy, as many people may think, by just looking at chords. Because maybe it's just a one six two five. 
in yeah. the chord progression for solos. Yeah, you can play over one six two five, but you have to play to the style as well, and that's what makes a good musician good. Uh, yeah, that's um, that sounds like a fun time. I'm not gonna lie to you, that sounds real fun. Um, so are sounds like your musicians are all pretty versatile. Yeah. Whereas you compare to say, like Duke Ellington's band, you have a band full of specialists where he kind of treated them like instruments. Do you have some kind of do you experience that as well? Absolutely. When I'm I'm writing, I I know who I know who's in the group, so I will specifically write for the players in the group. Maybe at a certain part, okay, I know this person has this certain sound with their instrument. And it really fits what we're trying to do here, so I'm going to write this part for them here. Or if I know man, I really want this type of expressiveness in a solo at this point. I'm going to specifically write in a solo part for this certain person in the band. So definitely, it knowing who I have in the group and how they play, I definitely do write. I just don't write charts. I write for the group and for the people that I have in the group. Awesome. So at this point, so what is when you're writing, say you're, uh, walk us through what's happening in writing a song from beginning to end. So first I want to go out and preface this to all, all the songs I write, I always write for, for the composer name, Noah Brooks Coalition, because I may start the writing process, but ultimately by the time the tune is complete, it's, it's a group process and everyone in the group has has added contributions to it. But so how it typically will start, I'll be sitting down and one of two ways, either I'm sitting down at the piano and I just either sing a melody to myself that I like or play something on the piano. I'm like, oh, cool, let me record that real quick. Let me try to expand on that. Or what a lot of times has happened, I'll just be driving in the car, blasting some music with the windows down, and I'll hear just a tiny portion or something in a song. I'm like, oh, man, that's really cool. Let me, let me get home real quick and go to the piano, figure that out. And then I have that, that little portion that I'm going to work with. So it really just starts either way with a tiny melodic idea mm-hmm. that I like. I'm like, okay, let me see how I can build upon this. So once I build upon that, then I go in about throwing in the chords. And after that, I'm like, okay, I think this is going to sound good. So I have, I like to call that like the skeleton of the composition. Like it's fully written out, flushed out, but it's not going to be the final product. So I bring it into rehearsal then. And at that point, then we have our two horn players will come up with suggestions to make the changes to the melody, or sometimes even the melodies are completely written by the horn player. Mm -hmm. like a couple songs off this record i just came up with the chord changes and one of our horn players just came up with the melody like that's really good like let's roll with it so sometimes i don't even come up with the melodies for these songs i got you but once we have that skeleton of a composition done we'll bring it to rehearsal make changes to the melody then our piano player normally always has a change to make to the chords 
and mm-hmm. 11 out of 10 times, it just makes the song sound so much better and so much more refined. I'm like, man, that's killing. Make the changes in the part. So then we got this killing chord progression, great melody. And then if we're adding lyrics to it, I'll send it off to my friend who sings with us and she'll nine times out of 10 do the lyrics for me. Um, I think she wrote over half the lyrics on the record. Mm. And so she'll come up with some lyrics to an already written melody. And then it just all comes together. And it's really, it's really a group effort that on my part just starts with finding a little melody I like expanding upon it bringing it to the group and then it really takes on its life a life of its own with the group oh man that's cool there's two things two ways i want to go on that one i'm gonna get to later but what i want to talk about right now is it seems like there's a lot of co-writing going on even though you might start pretty much everything you bring in your musicians your collaborators and use their strengths to add to the tunes yeah can you discuss what co-writing is like in that group Man, co-writing has saved my butt so much in this group. It is fantastic. I absolutely love it. You know, I'll bring in an idea that I really like, and I might think, oh, man, you know, this is really cool with these chords. Then our piano player will be like, maybe not. Let's try this chord. And I'm like, he plays. I'm like, dude, let's roll with that chord. That sounds so much better. He's like, you like it? I'm like, yes. Put it in the part. We're going with that. And he, he's just so masterful with some of the stuff he can come up with at the keys and the chord progressions. And then same with the horn players. Like, to me, it blows my mind that I can just come with this. Like, for instance, our title track, Off the Record, In the Night. That was me just fooling around at the piano, and I found four chords I liked. Mm-hmm. And I brought it to our trumpet player, and I played it for him. And he just comes up with that beautiful entire melody off rip i'm like dude i think we got something with that so we went back wrote it out and the melodies those two can come up with just blows me away i i think they can come up with a lot better melodies than i can so getting to work with the group as a whole really refines and makes our music like 10 times better than if we rolled with just what i solely wrote Mm. oh that's yeah that's pretty interesting so what a lot of band leaders would do were just like, like some of the more advanced ones, once they know their musicians, they kind of use their strengths in their songs, which you, you kind of took a step beyond that and bring their strengths directly into the writing process instead mm-hmm. of in consideration in the writing process. And I'm going to contrast you with me because I'm a control freak. Now, like, follow me with this. I'm a, I'm a control freak. I, I When I hear something in my head, I want it. And if I call somebody to give it to me, they better give it to me. <laughs> you, though. Hey, there's certain, there's, I'll say, there's certain points where, hey, you need that sometimes. Like, you have something said in your head, like, no, nah, man, just, just play what I wrote, please. Yeah. You, though, it seems like I would say I'm like, and if we were an RPG, you'd be leading a party. I'd be a solo player. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I feel like... And there's a lot of good loot to be had. Yeah, and from both ways, there's, there's a lot of good to be had. And I feel like I'm more so that way with this group because I know what they can bring to the table and what they have to offer. You know, maybe if it was 
if it wasn't this group, if it was other people who, you know, eh, maybe, maybe not, maybe it would be, you know, Hey, no, let's, let's, let's play as written. I like what I wrote, but with this group, I know they can just improve the music so much that I'm more than willing to go in open-minded to have what I wrote changed. And a lot of times I'm going in there to have them change it as well. Mm -hmm. I'll come in and be like, Hey, you know, I like this, but I feel like it needs to go a step further or it's missing something. What do you think we can do to help further it? And they'll come up with some great idea that works perfectly. So a lot of times I'm going in there looking for, looking for those changes to what I wrote. Yeah. That's awfully mature for a writer your age, man. It takes, sometimes it takes a few years for people to reach that point. Glad to be talking to you about that. So I got it. So, more on collaboration. If there's any musicians out there right now, let no let's expand it. Alive okay. or dead? Alive or dead? Alive or dead? Who would you, who would you who would be the first person you would call them to Ooh. collaborate? They would never say no. We're talk, we're talking with the No Brooks Coalition. Whatever you want. Oh man, the possibilities are endless. So you know. I, I have to pick just one. Just one. Just That's one. That's the only restriction. Oh, man. The laws of nature do not apply here. Just. <laughs> oh, man. He's really got me stumped with this. All right. I think just with the nature of. Ooh, with the nature of our music, I think I can get it down to, to maybe my top three. How did I know you were going to say three? I just knew it. Just, just rattle them off, man. All right. Marquise Hill. Okay. You know, I think he he so eloquently blends jazz and hip-hop so well. Would love to, to just have him a part of our music in any way. Number two, obviously, I, I got to go with Kanye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I, I got two. Uh, and, and number three, and this may come as a shock, but I've actually drawn a lot from his music to maybe his older music, Chance the Rapper. Mm. So especially so much of his older stuff really has that. You can hear that maybe not so much blues, but more you, you can hear that jazz, the harmonic the harmonic ideas behind his music and influence. Oh and yeah, definitely. I I just love I love when you know hip hop artists really heavily lean into that sound, and he did it so well. So I would love to like, collab with him. Oh like, yeah, Chan- so yeah. Chance is pretty hip. I think on Acid Rap he sampled Red Clay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I was like, yeah, Chance is pretty. Like, you hip. know, he he's hip to jazz. You know, he's hip to it. So. I'd love to collab with him. Oh man! So, are you um, doing any like working on any projects like this outside of Noah Brooks Coalition? Not really. No, that's the only. It's just only, your main thing right yeah, now. Yeah, that's the only thing I really got going on for me uh, right now. Okay. In school, have you done anything that kind of like maybe you learned from as a writer? You know, actually taking. This semester, 
an uh, in independent study with our guitar professor, Bobby Broom. Okay. We've been doing a lot of composing with him. Oh, for real? And yeah, and just getting to bring in, and he's open to like whatever style we're writing. So bringing in songs I'm writing and working on them with him and having him go over, helping me figure out some other chord progressions I can use, having someone of his statute working with me on my music and helping me improve it has just been like, and learning from that and, you know, what changes he's making and why I should make that change in the music has just been unbelievable. Is this your first time taking lessons uh, from a writer? Or like, I guess. Kind of, yeah, this is my first time like actually solely working on my writing with someone. Okay. How is that? Like you talked, you talked about how, how that has been. Has this changed your perspective on like being self-taught than being studied as a writer? Yeah, I, I think I definitely like being taught. Like you can't, you can't, don't get me wrong. You you can have you can be a great writer and be self-taught, but I mean, having the opportunity to you know study with someone like him, or you know people doing independent studies here with professor saxophone jeff bradfield like how could you how could you say no to an opportunity like that you know oh of course it's there's just so much knowledge to gain from people like that so um were you of that opinion when you first started writing yes because i hated almost everything i wrote (laughs) and wanted to get better okay okay so uh how should i say this I knew at least I, I guess it's a personal thing. I knew I wanted instruction. You know, some, some people don't need it, some people don't want it. I was one of those people. I was like, "Yo, this stuff I'm writing is like kind of trash. <laughs> like, I should really get some help on this." Oh, I, I feel like we've all been there. And if somebody hasn't been there, they're probably you know skipped a few steps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But us mortals, you know, we we need all the help we can get. Definitely. So I want to wrap this up after one more question. And I wanted this to be a good one. So if you started over, completely drums, everything, delight, delete all, all, every, all the experience you have, and you, you just know what you know now, what would you do differently? Or- I would take practicing so much more seriously at a younger age. <laughs> I, you wouldn't believe how many times I've thought that question myself, and that's, that's, like, I wish, like, I started drum lessons third grade. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have just put 45 minutes, an hour, a night, even just on weekdays, starting at that point. As like, a sixth grader? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, man. Would you started writing earlier? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Even even in high school, man, I just wish I took it. Like, I took it seriously, but, like, I wish I took it as seriously as I did now. Oh, man. Uh, that, that would be game changer. Yeah, I'm sure it would. But, you know, I think that little bit of regret kind of makes you who you are. Yep. And, and obviously, we you. probably wouldn't be having this interview if you were, like, playing in Europe right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, be, at I'd, least I'd for my sake, or something. at least for my sake, I appreciate you. Yeah, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, seriously. too. <laughs> but, okay. Can you tell the audience where they can find you and where they can find your music? Yeah, we are... Almost on all social media. We're on YouTube and Facebook. You can find us under the No Brooks Coalition. 
And you can find our music on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, where you can purchase the record. And What's the name of the record? In the Night. In the Night. So Released for- September 4th, this past 2021. Mm-hmm. So you can find it there. Spotify, Apple Tune, Apple Music. Apple Music, iTunes. Apple Music, iTunes, YouTube, all that good stuff under the Noah Brooks Coalition. Awesome. And uh, you say you have another record coming out at some point? Hopefully, at some point, I want to. I don't want to say yes specifically, but at some point in 2022, we're hoping to have another record out. Okay, so yeah, definitely, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening in. Definitely check out our guest Noah Brooks. He's an awesome musician, awesome writer. And if you are able to catch him live in Chicago, definitely. Thank you once again. Night. <laughs>